Yeah, mate. Are you free on Friday night? No, I've uh, I got youth group. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Three Views podcast, the podcast where Michael, Paul and Simon sit down and discuss our views on life, the universe and everything. That's 42 if you haven't caught it before. Today is a fantastic day here in Tasmania, in Hobart, uh, glorious and a little bit windy. Uh, we hope you're having a similarly wonderful day. We want to thank you, first and foremost, for coming along with us on the ride for the last few podcasts. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed them and we'd love to get some feedback. So tweet us, at 3ViewsOn, and let us know what's been going on. Uh, but before we, we dive wait into in, today's topic... In, and also we've got to tell you, if you want to date Paul, oh, if, you want, if you want to set up an op shop date oh, with boys. Paul, hashtag... Paul doesn't... Want to participate in this? Oh, okay. Hashtag us on. Hashtag yeah. I want a date with Paul. No, that is the hashtag. Hashtag Paul has no part in this. Hashtag and we'll, Paul. Find, we'll search that and we'll find it. And okay. Be good, hashtag yeah. Paul has no part in this. Um, he's single and ready to mingle. That's not a, terrible. Not a huge fan of mingling or <laughs> anyway. He just likes taking people on obscure dates I'd that aren't dates. Just really like op shops. Good old op shops. Yeah. So he doesn't want a date. Don't. He just, he just wants. To if go you to an see op me shop. in real life, don't talk to me. Please. Hashtag IRL. Hashtag don't date me. Hashtag this is all. I'm depressed. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Before we go any further, we're going to take a, a pause of a moment to ask Paul how his week's been going. Well, look, Michael, I've actually had a pretty good week. I think the one standout moment would be I I was heading to church Sunday, stopped for a bit of a dirty Macca's breakfast. I do like Ooh. to treat myself on occasion. Yes. Um, got myself a large coffee and it was it was great. But I mean, a Macca's coffee, no one needs that sort of publicity at church. You don't want to walk into church with a large McDonald's coffee. Your mm. stock in the market plummets dramatically. <laughs> um, so I decided to suck it all down in the 10-minute commute. And, and I just, I have not been able to taste food for like the last 24 hours. I think I seared my taste buds. Ah, the old burnt tongue. Completely off. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's quite freeing. I can just eat whatever I want. But on the uh, flip side of that, zero enjoyment gain from any consumption of food. One of my great fears in life is eating food too quickly when it's too hot. I'm, I'm getting better at it in the way that I'm either building up a tolerance to heat or just losing a lot of uh, sensitivity in the mouth area. You've, you've basically burnt all of your tongue. It's yeah. now scarred and has no capacity left for taste. There are, there are worse things that could happen, I guess. That's true. Losing your leg. Yeah. yeah, or getting... Being blind. Yeah. Yeah. Dying. Up there. Hmm. Top four. Yep. Well, look, let's... Thanks, Paul. Thanks for, for letting us know what's been going on for you this week. Uh, we're going to keep these in as a regular segment so you guys can keep up with what's been going on in our life. So, guys, tell us, what brings you into any sort of authority on Christian youth ministry? Simon. I have been involved as a participant for pretty much all of my life with my parents running kids' camps, youth groups, that sort of thing. But I wouldn't say that I've been involved in running youth ministry very much. Mm. I've been involved in camps, not so much regular youth groups. Uh, when I was younger, yeah, but not so much now that I actually know what I'm talking about. Okay. What about you, Paul? Uh, look, I've been coordinating youth group for about two and a half years now with varying degrees of success. So I've sort of, if this was a bachelor's degree, I'd be in my last sort of semester at the moment. I'm, hey. I'm basically, I've graduated nearly, so that's good. And you, Michael? 
Well, I've been involved in youth ministry now, I guess, informally for around five years, uh, but only properly as a, a youth minister for the last year and a half. So yeah, I guess over that time, I've had the opportunity to learn a few life hacks, secret tricks along the way that have helped me along. And I, I'm betting that you guys have as well. Yeah, I've got a few. There's a couple. Yeah. So I've actually got a, a sort of a babushka doll of life hacks. I've got a life hack within a life hack. First one, Q&A nights. So rather than a topical night during the year where you talk about one specific thing, you can you have the benefit of getting a number of speakers. You get a bit of a panel happening on a couch. The youth are able to ask questions, broad range of topics and really short, succinct, consumable answers. Now that's what, life hack number one. Very handy, very good in relaying info from committed, experienced Christians to young kids. Yeah. Number two, write most of the questions for the youth. They will submit some questions. Usually it's the ones that are way too curly for anyone to get anything from. Like just submit questions. How do I tell my friends about you? Like that sort of stuff. So essentially everyone benefits. You engineer the Q&A night. At what point do you take away the power from the youth by making your own questions? That is, that is a good question. Um, look, I think you have to have a fairly even spread. So you've got to meet the youth where they're at. Obviously, if you tell them there's a night on, you answer their questions. But oftentimes we'll have 90 minutes for Q&A and 30 minutes worth of questions. So you can actually then feed back into what you think they're, they're looking to know as well as what you, they've confirmed with you by submitting a question. Um, so, yeah, it's a, real, it's a real 50-50 mix. One of the great things about Q&A nights I've found is that they're more interesting than just a straight-out talk. Yeah. Kids will listen because they think it's their peers, well, they know it's their peers that are asking these questions. In some cases, yeah, it's the peers. Right. It's, it's, a lot of the time it's me. Yeah. And by them being excited about it, you get to talk about a lot more deep stuff that they just wouldn't ever absorb mm. through just a normal talk from one of us. That's exactly right. So that would have to be my little red hot life hack for youth ministry. I've got one totally opposite end of the scale. Have a jumping castle <laughs> in the first 20 minutes of the youth group. Uh, we have a, a after school, primary school sort of youth group. Ooh. It's like a junior youth group. And we were struggling to get four or five kids along <laughs> for a long time. And... Second week we had the jumping castle, 25 kids. Oh. Three of them left uh, to with, go to the skate park. With broken ankles? As soon as we... No, just because we were starting the real thing and let down the jumping castle, turned it <laughs> off. Wow. But, yeah, really good attraction. And also we have these little things uh, called smiley faces, sort of like merits in an AC merit shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, kids get these for good behaviour, for listening, answering questions, winning games, everything. You have like a little store with things that are worth certain amounts of smiley faces. The currency. Yeah, they basically collect currency. And at the end of the night, they can either choose to save them to like save up for a cool book <laughs> or something on the table or, um, or just fill their pockets with chocolate. And, uh, yeah, come on. So it's pretty good. And an extra incentive, an extra hack on top of that, within that, is that if they bring friends, they get extra smileys. Oh. And if those friends come two weeks in a row, so they get like three for each friend they bring for the first time. And they get five for the second time they bring them. That's big commission. Per, per friend. Oh, yeah. and wow. And then seven Help. for the third time. Help me now. Man. Yeah, and if you save them every week, suddenly you've got them buying awesome books and DVDs, which then compounds your influence as a Christian. That's so good. It works really well. 
I heard one guy save so many tokens he actually tried to make a hostile takeover of the youth group and <laughs> <laughs> made a bid for supremacy. He's uh, actually purchased the jumping castle. <laughs> he, he's taking it home. Uh, we did a similar thing at a, a youth camp a few years back. Um, the, the classic thing at youth camps is you build up points along the way as a way of winning sort of a final prize. Yeah, for the whole um, week. Yeah, which kind of works in one sense, but at the same time all the points kind of become a very future thing and no one really cares. Uh, mm. So we kind of split the points up into two sections. We had life points because uh, we were doing a game of life uh, theme. They had life points, which they got for doing good deeds during the week, during camp, um, and they were handed out fairly scarcely. Uh, and they were the points that got them towards sort of the, the winning prize at the end of the week. Uh, like but our that. main games for awards were Monopoly money that we handed out. Okay. And then we had a store, so they could come in and buy things to build a, I think they were building a car that week, and we found that worked amazingly. That's they really just, cool. Yeah, well, I, I like it. That. I like it that they were able to do good deeds and get their reward in full, in little Monopoly money. I mean, is that, is that why? Anyway, look, is that we'll, biblical? that's a whole different we'll day's podcast. Next week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a new exciting version of the new podcast. My life hack is less of a life hack and more of just a, a good starting point for working in youth ministry. Uh, we make it a point to be on top of all of our paperwork, preferably at least a term in advance. Uh, so we we have a group meeting uh, at the beginning of each term, probably in the holidays is the usual time, and we catch up, we plan out the terms activities, then try and uh, also plan out the terms uh, theological content uh, and making sure that's a depth that's suitable for, I guess, youth at the same time as being engaging and challenging. I think a, a real trap people fall into is they uh, plan sort of a, a Bible study uh, with sort of no real challenge or content because mm. they think youth can't really engage well with that. Um, yeah. I think can't that you cope. really miss a good opportunity there. No, I think you're absolutely spot on, man. I'm a big fan of just being being as challenging as you can be, just taking the scripture and being like, this is, this is what it says. Is this how you live your life? You don't want to budget on the conviction when you're with youth. It just doesn't make it. There's no merit for doing that. No. No, not at all. And uh, I think a really good thing one of the campsites up north has done is rather than planning their activities and then shaping their Bible study times around the activities, they've gone the other way around. They've gone, let's let's shape out our Bible studies, our, our talks, our theological, I guess, pathway, and then let's build our activities on top of that. And they've been seeing some really good fruit come out of that, which has been awesome. Yeah, a bit of solid reinforcement. I suppose that leads us nicely on to the next thing we want to cover in our podcast today, which is the biggest problem we've encountered in youth ministry so far. I think that's the definition of youth ministry, isn't it? Just big problems. Big problems and dealing with them as they come up. Big structural inadequacies. I suppose if I'm... Can I offer another life hack? Go for it. Do your best to anticipate the problems Mm. and tackle them before they come up. Yeah. If you're managing to do that beforehand, you're staying ahead of the eight ball and... Uh, your term will just fly by so simply. Yeah. Okay, Paul. Your... Well, yeah, I think mine actually is in line with that, being more proactive than reactive in that kind of scenario. One of the biggest problems I have is working with volunteers. Like I'm a volunteer myself. The team is volunteers. There's six of us. And there can be you can really start to push the envelope. They're all either working full-time, one of them studying full-time. It can be very tough to then say, hey, look, how are we going to best run this youth ministry? 
and then you try and filter that down through like availability in time. You know, maybe we want to go to a conference in the in over the summer. People have only three weeks of leave a year. Do they want to spend a week? Like I find that you really have to set a realistic expectation um, that evolves around like what what do you want them to do, but also what is realistic for them to commit their time to. So that's that's a real a real struggle trying to walk that line. I think. Yeah, availability is a big problem, mm. especially these days when people have so much that they perceive that they need to get done. Yeah, there are so many shows on Netflix I need to watch. <laughs> I need to finish House season eight very soon. This week it needs to be done. <laughs> I've got a deadline here. Can yeah. I can I offer like a small confession? What's that? I actually have to finish House season eight this week. <laughs> I, I have to finish House season four because my sister's. Swiftly moving through season oh, five. Well, luckily, every episode is the exact same format, exactly. so you don't actually need to worry about it. This is true. I'm, my plan is to use it as study because I've got a couple of exams oh, coming up. Get ah. stuff. It's not very it's, useful. It's, study. Never, <laughs> That's right. it's never lupus. Just never, remember, ever lupus. It's never Except lupus. for that one episode where it is lupus. I think the episode is entitled "It's Actually Lupus." Okay, so trying to reclaim our podcast from massive digressions, <laughs> uh, Simon. Biggest problem. Um, Availability mm. also at this yep. junior youth group. It was originally started by a head of campus and he took a few of the high school students down there after schools uh, to run it and he left the school and started working for a local church and he just got a bit busy, dropped it. Um, my mum sort of picked up the pieces and kept it going mm. and a half of the high school students that were helping run it have also left some, most started uni. Mm. Um, and so it's me, my sister, my mum, and occasionally a couple of these ex-high school students. Mm. And, you know, depending on assignments and whatnot, they can't come all that often. That's such a difficult problem when your leaders who you've learnt to rely on through their sort of college years yeah. uh, finish and uh, move into state, move to the other end of the state for, for uni um, and you just you just lose your pool of adults almost in yeah. the youth ministry. And in this particular situation, there's a whole problem around not being supported by any particular group. Like mm-hmm. technically our church would support us and would but it's not an official hmm. church like this is what's happening through our church ministry. Hmm. So being that we've just picked it up, it's sort of hard to get any outside people to come in and help with it either. Hmm. So it's a struggle just to recruit. Hmm. What have you done to try and combat that? We've changed the time three times. Um, <laughs> we it was Initially it was immediately after school, so... 3.34 o'clock, I think, uh, till 5, 5.30 or something. And we also changed the day a couple of times um, to try and fit with kids because we're only getting through a four and also to try and fit with leaders who would have to get from uni to here. But it's very hard. Mm. It's very hard. And I think praying has done a lot for the youth group. Um, oh, yeah. And the jumping castle. Praying <laughs> and the jumping castle. You cannot doubt the prayer, uh, the power of both of those things, I think. Prayer, power and, and, prayer and jumping castles. Yeah, just making yourself very attractive for non-theological reasons. <laughs> <There's just> a, <laughs> it's a small fair over here. Yeah. No, nah, the power of prayer is probably the most important thing in youth ministry. I Definitely. think if, if you were going to take away any of our life hacks today, that would be the one. 
if you're not investing into your youth ministry with some good solid prayer. Yeah, mm. um, don't stop praying. Yeah. And I guess like all everything should really come under the God, under the sort of overarching umbrella of God's sovereignty. So like any sort of any life hack, any any tip, any guideline just comes with the with a total understanding that it's going to be God who actually actions a change in someone's heart, and that's what you're there. You're just there to be a platform mm. for exactly that. That's so true. Yeah. 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 The biggest problem that I encounter, people ask me about probably most commonly, is how do you deal with a youth group that's only four or five kids and mm. how do you get it to grow? How do you build from the grassroots up? Um, and that's that's a real struggle that we had for a couple of years. Uh, I think there were a couple of nights where it was just f- us, f- the four leaders, uh, with this one guy who was just consistently showing up. Uh, oh. Yeah. Just investing in him. Yeah, really, really <laughs> that. Um, but I think the, the helpful thing to remember uh, when, you, when you're going through those sort of difficult times, when you're struggling with low numbers, low engagement from the youth as well, is that the people that you've got are the people that God's given you. Um, and like Paul said, you're actually there to invest into that, th- those few you have. And as you begin to invest and work with them, you start building up programs, setting up relationships with those guys. They're the guys who will then see your youth grow. Um, you'll start getting them bringing along their friends. You'll start getting them more involved in what's going on. And in some ways, it's almost nicer to have a small youth group while you've got it. You've got that mm. opportunity to really put all your time and effort into that one person. And as you said, when that uh, youth group does actually grow, you've then got those kids that have been coming for ages who are used to the format, they're used to listening. They're going to be a really good peer foundation for the others, a good example on how to listen to the uh, mm the content of uh, mm. the studies and whatnot. And if you set up a good foundation of what your youth ministry is, it's a lot easier to do that with four or five kids Yeah. than it is to have a group of 30 kids. You're trying to entertain, entertain the entire time. You're stressed about all these people who are running around you and you just you don't have the time to lay those solid foundation of what makes a good youth ministry. And that's one of the things that we did when I first came in. There was a bunch – we run weekly, by the way. Uh, there was a bunch of people going to a fortnightly one on – on uh, the week that was on and then coming to us in the off week. And we essentially just said, look, if you're going to go to them, don't bother coming back here. We're about investing and, and building you up. We can't do that if you're only coming every second week. Um, we lost a lot of people. But then again, we built a really solid foundation from the ground up and I'm, I'm really, I'm absolutely sure that that was a really, it was a smart thing to do. We've got a good base and we built from there with some really healthy and productive. And, and that is a scary thing to do as well, isn't it? To yeah. basically tell half your youth group, uh, well, don't come then. Yeah, yeah, come full time and be a part of what we want to be about or, yeah, or you, you can find another youth group. Yeah, you've got to be trusting God there. Well, guys, this episode is running a little long, but before we close up for today, we're going to go through a few questions. Our first one comes from the Twitterverse um, from a friend called Amy who says, uh, you mentioned youth groups. How about a way to connect with the non-Christian parents of your youth group members? Mm. It's a big thing. Uh, Paul, do you have many non-Christian parents amongst your youth group, being a church youth group? Yeah, we absolutely do. And that's kind of cool because, A, it just means the kids are born again. So they weren't born into a Christian home or anything. And that's just encouraging to have those guys along. I reckon, first of all, as a precursor, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So you want to, our mission is obviously just to see the youth of our area conform to the image of Christ. I mean, there are a whole bunch of really good things you can do as a Christian. I mean, 
You could go on, uh, you know, you could be a ministry that goes and serves old people. You could be a ministry that serves food to people on the street. You have to focus. So our focus is the youth. So it means not a whole heap of time and energy goes to the non-Christian parents, but just things like making sure they know what we're on about. So, hey, this is our goal. We want to see your child know Christ in a saving way Um, and make sure we're really clear and upfront that we're like not a... We're not a daycare or an after-school minding service. We're all about teaching kids the gospel and seeing them look more like Christ. So just clear communication, I think, is one way we aim to get uh, channels open and parents on board. I think that's one of the key things there is being honest, uh, not trying to hide who you are Mm. from anyone. Uh, Because, look, at some point, the parents are going to realise what you're on about. And if you've been trying to hide the whole Christian thing, mm-hmm. that's going to come off as a really bad vibe. They're going to be like, these guys are trying to like yeah. brainwash my kids while I don't know. Whereas if you're up front, straight at them, look, this is what we're doing. Your kids are welcome to long. I hope they have a fantastic time. It should all be good. Yeah, and with the summer camps that we uh, run down here for 8 to 12-year-olds, the camp form specifically states that we have devotions every day and learn memory verses and sing songs and stuff and heaps of parents just don't I don't know if they don't care or they just ignore that Mm. bit and say well the kid's gonna have fun anyway and so that's sort of encouraging that people aren't as hostile as you might think a lot of the time and also in regard to the Wriston Vale Junior Youth Group we have a coffee club that also gets run once a month in the same venue which is pretty much specifically for the parents and, you know, free coffee chat. And a few uh, guys who live in the area from our church actually mm. come along to that. And that's really good as well. And we've created some pretty good relationships with a couple of the parents who've been coming for a while. Yeah, you're right. I think a really key part of the parent uh, youth leader relationship is A, them knowing that you're serious about what you do. So they're not just going to send it along and the, the kid's going to sit in the corner and pick a scab. Like it's a good, well-run program. And that you're passionate about it. Like you, you run a good program, but you actually, you you care for their kid and have what you, what at least you perceive to be their best in mind. Mm. I think that's, that's a long way in the right direction. Mm. And any parent, whether a, a non-Christian, a Christian or somewhere in between, is ultimately looking for somewhere where their kids can have a safe and enjoyable time. And if you provide that for them, They'll, they'll thank you for that and, and they'll, they'll continue to see their kids come along. One of the key things we do is we make sure that we provide uh, points of engagement for the parents, um, both Christians and non-Christians, because a really important thing in getting your youth to keep coming is to keep the parents informed about what you're doing. Uh, mm. And that means setting up nights where we invite the parents along. Uh, the last one we did, we got the kids to make dinner for the parents at the youth group, uh, which is an awesome opportunity for mm, the parents cool. to be able to chill back and relax. Uh, but then also for them to see what we do and how we're, we're caring and, and, and loving their kids uh, and that their kids are in a safe place um, and that's going really well for them. That's nice. So look, just to wrap that up, uh, Amy, you're asking the right question there. How do I engage parents is, is a very good question to be asking uh, and look, I, I imagine any youth minister out there is jumping with joy at the, the sound of someone actually eager to get parents involved in youth ministry. So to sort of summarise, uh, key points, be honest, brutally honest about who you are and what you're doing. Parents don't want lies. Engage them, involve them in your youth program, let them know what's going on and the whole way along, ensure that you're communicating to them that you care for their kids 
and any parent, I imagine anywhere, will be stoked with that. Our next question comes from Jordan, uh, and he says, uh, back in the olden Bible days, right back at the very beginning, didn't see very many youth groups. What are your thoughts on that? Simon. I haven't got any thoughts because that's the first time I've ever heard that idea ever. Um, it's a good one. It is a good one because, yeah, there's no youth ministry in the Bible. Mm. There were only young people who did ministry. Yeah, yeah, like Paul and, and Timothy. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of proof textage from there. I reckon, again, so there's no verse you're going to rip out and say, okay, this is why we get grades 9 to 12 out on their own on a Friday night. Um, I think broader broader principles of mentoring and discipleship uh, really play into why we do it. But just simply because there's no biblical directive to run a youth ministry, there's no thou shalt run a youth ministry. Um, in fact, there's so much stuff like in Titus where it talks about older guys mentoring younger guys and actually feeding down the line of sort of Christian maturity to them. We, we don't say run it on a Sunday in place of a church service. Like we, we also keep the church service together so that there is that corporate worship. We're, we're not subtracting particular groups out of that. So we run it in addition to, not instead of. And I think that's a, a really important distinction to make. Definitely. I also think an important thing to remember is that in the Bible times, uh, we're coming off the back of a sort of a Jewish tradition in the early Christian church. Uh, and for the, for the Jews, an important rite of passage was their, their biblical schooling. Uh, which led up to the age when they became 13 uh, and then had their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, uh, whether you're a boy or a girl, and that then led you into adulthood. And they had a very clear delineation of childhood and adulthood and that clear rite of passage. Uh, whereas today we don't have that as much and our, our drawing out of changing from a child and into an adult is a, is a much longer process. And so may, I think it's, may never even happen. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so I think it's really important that we, we realise that today our context is different to back then. Mm. Um, and ministering to people in this transition stage of life back then would have been through the Sunday school and through their parents uh, teaching them and, and bringing them to that point of becoming an adult, whereas now we have this, this drawn-out sort of school time period where we have a, a unique opportunity mm. to train people into being adults, and I think that's a, a really great and wonderful opportunity. Yeah, and there's no reason biblically to not share the gospel with young people, to, yeah. not, to not teach them how to be like Christ. There's no reason. That's right. So I think like a really important and valuable ministry, don't don't overreach though. Like mm. don't, I would really strongly advise someone if they're thinking about running it instead of a Sunday service or yanking the, the older guys out and having their own youth group in, in place of that, don't, don't do that. That's what I would warn against. Well, thank you, Jordan, for your question. Look, that's all we have time for today, unfortunately. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. But before we go any further, as always, we're going to have Simon give us the, the pun. The cheesy quote. Wise saying. Fine. I'm going to get it right. Simon's going to give us the wise saying before we go. Parents spend the first part of their lives teaching us how to walk and talk and the rest of it telling us to sit down and shut up. That's astute. It's very true. Profound. Or in my case. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine in yours too, Paul. Yeah, well, absolutely. Your parents regretted teaching you to speak. Yeah, I think they actively didn't. Well, I, look, I hope that snippet of wisdom has enlightened your afternoon. <laughs> we'll catch you next time on the Three Views On podcast. Give us a tweet if you want to, at Three Views On, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your Thanks day. Thanks for listening. Henry.